tight hyperglycemic control has no role in acute stroke. Pressure support ventilation weaning is superior to T-piece trials. Canada issues warning on modafinil in pregnancy. And critical thinking is better than procalcitonin in community-acquired pneumonia. Today is November 11th, 2019. It's Veterans Day. I'm Dr. Michael Zagoda, and this is the Spiro Podcast. There have been a lot of trials related to management of hyperglycemia in the intensive care unit. Some have been positive, others have been negative. This is another trial where they looked at 1,100 acute stroke patients. Hyperglycemia is associated with poor outcomes after an acute ischemic stroke. But small trials have suggested that tight glucose control with intravenous insulin is not beneficial and might be harmful. Adding to this evidence, a multi-center trial of over 1,100 acute stroke patients found that insulin infusion therapy with a target glucose of 80 to about 130 did not improve the 90-day functional outcomes compared with the subcutaneous insulin on a sliding scale with a target glucose of about, say, 80 to 180. Furthermore, treatment withdrawal for hypoglycemia or other adverse events was more common in the intensive treatment group. We have seen this before. These findings do confirm that intensive treatment of hyperglycemia with insulin infusion has no role in the setting of an acute stroke. Nevertheless, in agreement with current guidelines, it is reasonable to treat severe hyperglycemia with a glucose of, say, greater than 180 with a standard intervention such as subcutaneous insulin. The Spiro Podcast is written for healthcare specialists that practice pulmonary, critical care, and or sleep medicine. We cover a broad range of subjects from the newest recommendations for your clinic to pending diagnostic and therapeutic options for your patients that are on the horizon. From time to time, we will interview thought leaders in our specialty with our two-minute elevator pitch. So, subscribe now to The Spiro Podcast so that you can help your patients while being the most informed. Many intensive care units have different types of ventilator liberation weaning protocols. Medical literature has never really shown one to be better than another other than just having a protocol helps to reduce ventilator days. There's a new trial that shows that spontaneous breathing trials with low-level pressure support ventilation is used to predict successful extubation. Um, these are commonly used trials, but data are still limited. In a recent randomized trial of about 1,150 patients who were ready for weaning, rates of successful extubation were higher and mortality was lower in patients who underwent 30 minutes of a pressure support trial of 8 centimeters compared with 2 hours of a T-piece trial. Findings were consistent across subgroups, including older patients of greater than 70 years old. Those ventilated for longer than 4 days, medical and surgical patients, and those with COPD were all evaluated. The study does support a recommendation that most patients be weaned from mechanical ventilation using the spontaneous breathing trial with a low-level pressure support for about 30 minutes. Once we get beyond 30 minutes, we start to see patients having exhaustion issues. When a patient goes much longer than 30 minutes, say an hour, then the likelihood of success is very high. These data were not mentioned in the trial, but what we do learn from this trial is that the T-piece has gone the way the dinosaur. Stick with the spontaneous breathing trial using pressure support ventilation. This has shown improved success in getting patients out the ventilator as well as a decrease in mortality. Hey Mason, how are you? Good, how are 
you doing? Good, good. You're hanging out at Chess this week? Absolutely. It's a fantastic event. That's great. What are you most excited about? I'm most excited about that a um, couple of things. Number one, the first thing is the education piece. The place, This place is full of great educators who are doing phenomenal things. We're doing a lot of education in the simulation lab, trying to get people to really work at the top of their skill level, really excel at what they do so they can enjoy it, they can be good at it, they can really help patients get better, um, and really be at the top of their game. So Chess does a phenomenal job with all kinds of offerings in that regards. And I love being around such passionate people who are phenomenal educators. There's so many problems on a day-to-day basis that we're all trying to figure figure out how to solve, whether it be managing patients with COPD or lung cancer or whatever the case is. And none of us has figured out how how to solve these problems because every place is unique, every institution is unique, every team is unique. And so it's nice to actually get together with really smart people and figure things out together so that we're not all making the same mistakes because mistakes are costly. So we come here together to be around people that are like-missioned, that they all want to – they're all in here to help – things get better around where they work. And so um, we're all kind of, I just love being around people like that. Yes, it's amazing to be able to help each other grow and then to know that that's going to go back out into the world and have a real genuine impact on people's lives. Absolutely. You I mean, you can't put a price on, you can't, you can't put a price tag on that. And I think everything these days has been so much about price tag and very little sort of attention towards building up culture, building up teams, building up expertise and really learning from each other. Yeah, I'm so glad we have passionate physicians like you who are out there trying to make it happen. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I gotta run. This is my floor. All right, I'll see you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Now, for those sleep specialists out there, there's a new trial and a concern that's come out of Canada about the safety data and the use of modafinil during pregnancy in women with narcolepsy and other causes of hypersomnia. You see, a pregnancy registry reported an elevated rate of major congenital anomalies, about 17%, as well as 4% cardiac anomalies among women in in the United States exposed to modafinil and or armodafinil. Some patients, of course, took other drugs. But based on these data, Health Canada has issued a warning that modafinil is contraindicated in women who are pregnant or may become pregnant. Non-pharmacologic options for narcolepsy symptom management during pregnancy include improved alertness with more daytime naps, optimizing nighttime sleep, and managing sleep disorders that can arise during pregnancy, such as obstructive sleep apnea and or restless leg syndrome. Several clinical trials among patients with community-acquired pneumonia have shown us that procalcitonin-guided algorithms have reduced unnecessary antibiotic use compared with, say, the usual care. My institution, we don't even use procalcitonin um, for a multitude of reasons, but I think this trial that we're about to talk about is one of those reasons. You see, in many of these trials, usual care was not even standardized or protocol-driven. So in a randomized trial evaluating about 285 patients with a presumed community-acquired pneumonia across 12 different medical centers, antibiotic duration was similar when guided by procalcitonin versus serial protocol-driven clinical assessment. 10 days versus 9 days. Clinical success and adverse event rates did not differ between the two groups. This study calls into question the additive value of procalcitonin beyond careful clinical assessment and highlights the importance of critical thinking about appropriateness when deciding to prescribe antibiotics. This is the part of the show where I get to share something that I like and something that I don't like. I like airbags. A week ago, I was leaving a meeting with a friend, and a car decided to run a stop sign and hit me right in the door. 
It was a pretty sizable wreck. My car actually went up on two wheels for just a second, and when the dust had settled, I took a quick survey of myself to see if I was injured. Surprisingly, nothing. I was wearing a seatbelt. The airbags had all deployed, as designed, and when I looked around, I could see that my side airbag kept me from smashing my head against the glass, and that there was actually an airbag right along where my hip was, along the driver's side. This also deployed protecting my side from the direct impact of the other car that T-boned me. Fortunately, no one in the other car was seriously injured as well. The only thing that happened to me was that I was a little sore the next day. My car was totaled. Well, we'll be posting those images on our website if you want to look at those. Really not a whole lot to say here. Got in a substantial car accident, walked away completely unscathed thanks to my seatbelt and my airbags. On this Veterans Day, I liken our military to the protection provided by those airbags. Not often thought about until you need them, but once you do, you are super happy they were there for you when you needed them the most. I'm a big fan of the airbags, and our military service members too. Atrium Health, one of the largest healthcare systems in the country, is holding their Lung Cancer Summit on November 15, 2019 at the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. This year's summit will feature a variety of -of state-of-the-art topics, dynamic speakers, and clinical updates in thoracic oncology. Dr. Ed Kim, head of the Levine Cancer Institute's Solid Tumor Oncology Division, will be headlighting the conference. He's an outstanding speaker, and I guarantee you'll come away twice as smart as you were before you even got there. CMAs are hard enough to come by and are pretty expensive, but if you attend, you'll be receiving some CMEs, and more vendors than we could even shake a bronchoscope at will be available for networking and discussion. This will really be worth your time. I'm invited to a lot of conferences every year, but this lung cancer conference is one that I refuse to miss. It is not the kind of conference where bench research of alphabet soup tumor markers are presented. It's the kind of conference that will have a direct impact on you and, more importantly, your patients. Don't miss this conference. Openings are still available. Remember, November 15th at the NASCAR Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina. Heck, you'll even have a chance to go down and drive on the track. So, For more information, why don't you visit our website at spiropodcast.com. That's spiropodcast.com. Something I don't like. I don't like overpriced, fancy-schmancy restaurants. My wife and I went to an upscale restaurant to be in a quiet environment and talk about some things. I left $150 poorer and just as hungry as when I got there. So we did what any other sane couple would do. We left and went to Buffalo Wild Wings and ordered up some hot wings. You see, I served in the Marine Corps and uh, fought in the First Persian Gulf War, and I recently found out that one of the guys that I served with had since passed away. He had nothing to do with the war. He ended up suffering from a heart attack. Besides that point, it makes you take pause and get a little nostalgic and think back on some things. And I do remember that when we first got back, the very first thing I ate, he and I got off the plane Once we got to base and dropped our junk off, we went straight out into town to a pizza joint and got a big old plate of hot wings. There are very few things as American as hot wings with an ice cold beer. If you want to make a veteran feel uncomfortable, just simply say, thank you for your service. You see, almost half of U.S. veterans and active service members really feel uncomfortable with being thanked for their service. This was determined in a new survey. 
According to a poll commissioned by the Cohen's Veteran Network, a national not-for-profit network of mental health clinics of uh, post-9-11 veterans and military families, half of active and former members of the armed services really feel uneasy with the expression, thank you for your service. And as the country prepares to commemorate its former military service members on Monday for Veterans Day, we need to keep this in mind. You see, the poll found that instead of saying the simple thank you, most veterans and service members preferred gratitude that went beyond a simple platitude and that also tried to connect with them on a more personal level. David Gal, he's the CEO of Rally Point Networks. Um, he runs a digital platform for the military community. He said, what we've learned is if you've met one veteran, you've met one veteran. We are as diverse in our interests as our civilians. When it comes to being thanked for our service, this diversity still applies and you can't make everyone happy. We challenge you to show appreciation in additional ways for those who have repeatedly stepped into harm's way on your behalf. Think about why you were saying thanks and realize you need to do more than check the block with a simple phrase. You see, the survey revealed that veterans preferred questions about when they served, maybe where they were stationed, and what specific jobs they had while they were serving. These results were released alongside a new initiative launched by the CVN entitled Beyond Thank You for Your Service, an awareness campaign aimed at connecting veterans and civilians in more meaningful ways. Some former service members said it would be more meaningful if people did say more for the veteran community as opposed to simply saying thanks. Instead of hearing, thank you for your service, I would like to see civilians in our community give back to military families, a veteran from Tennessee said. He went on to say either by coaching a sport, giving a class, or even going to a veteran's home to just sit and listen to the stories of our older generations. So on this Veterans Day, as a civilian or as a fellow veteran, ask what they did in the military. Maybe where did they serve? What did they like most about it or least about it? Then you can say thank you if you feel so inclined. And on that note, with a heartfelt appreciation and as a fellow veteran, I'd like to personally say thank you. You've been listening to the Spiral Podcast from Mars Hill Media. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you liked what you've heard, it would be great if you could give us a five-star rating as it really helps us move up the search results. And... Tell your friends how to subscribe too. Michael Zagoda, and today I'll leave you with a song of inspiration. The Marines hymn still brings a tear to my eye. Hope to see you next week. Mm-hmm.